is the forest of Naimasharanya. We're reenacting the pastime of the sages coming together uh, to s discuss the Srimad Bhagavatam. The sages were looking for a path through the Vedas to elevate themselves in this world, but when they met Sutta Goswami, then they became convinced of the highest path, which is uh, pure devotional service. So similarly, by the association of Srila Prabhupada, um, thousands, millions of people around the world who are convinced that the process of happiness in life would be economic development, for instance, when Prabhupada was first in India, after being in America for some time, he noted several times that people weren't coming because already India was looking towards the West, thinking if we can just have industrialization, perfection of management, we get our supply chain going a little better, we got to lean into it a little harder and we'll be happy. Technical schools sprang up, Nehru thought that if we just have technical schools, we'll lead the world, and India has, and tech. But it, it didn't make any appreciable difference in the happiness of the people. As Prabhupada pointed out many times, you've forgotten what really makes you happy. And so Srimad Bhagavatam is an important reminder of the ways in which we can actually align ourselves with the highest purpose of life and feel completely satisfied by the process of pure devotional service. And hearing Srimad Bhagavatam is one of the five main processes of the path of bhakti, or devotional service. It's mentioned in the Srimad Bhagavatam itself that just by hearing Srimad Bhagavatam regularly, all of the obstacles within the heart are removed by the help of Krishna. He's the suhrit, or the best friend that we have. And when he sees that we're sincere about making advancement in devotional service, then he helps to remove the obstacles and give us a clear vision of the path going back home, back to Godhead. And so this is a unassailable service to sit and hear the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Assembly of Devotees in Naimasharanya. And we'll begin by singing a song that Srila Prabhupada introduced to the world. It's Bhaktivinoda Thakur's song about his own deities and about the spiritual world. Prabhupada said it's a complete summary of the spiritual world and the way that the devotees there are in loving relationships with one another. So in bhakti, uh, just as in any form of yoga, we understand that the purpose is to control the mind. And in the Gita, Krishna says, manmana bhavamat bhakto. I am the ultimate object of meditation. So fix your mind upon me. So there are two ways to fix the mind. One is by the will. Again and again, as Krishna says in the sixth chapter of the Gita, one may impose one's will willpower and bring the mind back to thinking of the object of one's meditation. Or there's also an emotional way in which we can bring our mind. It's more powerful when it comes from the heart. That is, 
if we develop a sense of love for Krishna, just like if you go to the Dham, and let's say you're in Jagannath Puri for a week, and then you suddenly feel overcome by the sense that this is my home, I don't want to leave it, and you become emotionally attached. Or you're coming and worshiping the deities. Here we have Sri Sri Radha Madan Mohan. The name Madan Mohan means the one who attracts us away from the spiritual world. Because everyone's attracted here to beauty and wants to see some beautiful form. And the forms in this world, however, are a fake out. Because they're just reflections of the spiritual world. So when we look at the forms here, we try to appreciate them and then few late years later, you end up on the internet where people say, you remember what they looked like? Now here's what they look like. You can gasp now, like, oh my God. And the, the other person's trying to do plastic surgery. And it's like, oops, they, they blew it. You know, it's like, now you look like a monster. So everything morphs in this world from being, oh, that looks very nice. I think I could enjoy that. Look, I could look at that for a long time. And then just a little while later, it's like, what's wrong with it now? It's like, ah, it's not so nice anymore. And that's the difference between the material and spiritual energy. With Madan Mohan, he's increasingly attractive and he calls our heart. So if through the process of bhakti, which means coming to the temple, ringing the bell, offering obeisances, taking a little charnamrita, circumambulating tulsi, all these uh, devotional activities, they're otherworldly. It's like, why are you walking around a plant? And why are you taking a little sip of this or that or ringing a bell and so forth? These are all activities uh, on the spiritual platform. And after some time, we start to develop a, a sense of affection for them, attraction. Like, oh, I like that. Whatever it is, I want to do it again. And we come back again and again. And then when we hear uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, the Association of Devotees, then we start to understand why we're feeling that way. And it becomes well-reasoned attraction, well-reasoned love. In other words, it starts, what Bhagavatam says matches what our heart is telling us. And then we can put our whole heart into it, and we have this emotional attachment to the deities. So when we think of them, no matter where we are, you can be in Iowa, and then think, Shishirata Maran Mohan, please save me. Please let me serve you here in Iowa, amidst the cornfields. And then, you know, we feel that, that uh, emotional attachment. And that emotional attachment grows more and more in the association of pure devotees. And then the impetus of life is that I want to just serve Krishna with nothing in return. I don't, I'm not asking for anything. Na dhanam, na janam, na sundarim, kavitam vajagadisha kame. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu set the example. He showed us the mood of the advancing devotee. So I don't want wealth, I don't want followers, I don't want to have some uh, relationship that'll be on the cover of the magazine, because here I am, you know, I'm, I'm Krishna, here's Radha, like, we're really cool. We don't, uh, the devotee's not into that. He just wants uh, Madan Mohan. Radha Madan Mohan, it's like, that's my life and soul. And you'll find that in the proclamations of the great devotees, that they're just saying, Krishna, Radha and Krishna, Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, I'm only for them. And uh, whatever they do, uh, I'm still for them. That's it. I'm sold out. Like an animal gets sold to somebody and it's like, do you have any say in it? Nope, I don't have any say in it. I'm just, I'm here. This is my master. 
This is the mood of somebody who surrenders in devotional service. And you may say, oh, that sounds like slavery or something like that. But maybe so, but it's divine slavery. And it's, it's ultimately the most relishable experience because that's our constitutional position to be sold out to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Cent percent. And if it's cent percent, which means 100 percent, then uh, we feel fully satisfied. Savai pumsam paro dharmo yato bhaktira dhoksaje ahaituki apratiyata yayatma suprasidati. Then the self feels happy when it's 100 percent. And then there's no gap in between. There's no gap in between. I'm always doing devotional service, whether I'm at work, at Intel or Google, I'm still doing devotional service because one is thinking this work is for Krishna. And when I come home, then I take a bath and I sit and I chant in my little temple room that I put up in my closet. And I, Krishna's here, Krishna's everywhere. And we go on with our practice of devotional service throughout this lifetime. And then gradually, whatever obstacle was there that was holding me back, I didn't have the strength. I knew what I wanted to do, but I couldn't do it. That gets removed gradually, and one feels, yes, now I'm stronger. I feel it myself. The process is working. And nothing succeeds like success. We feel it working, and then we say, yes, this is real. And then gradually, one gives one's heart fully to Krishna, and we can constantly think of him. And then the songs, like the one we're about to sing, is always attractive. It's not like, oh, we sang that before. And uh, I'm not interested anymore. No, it becomes deeper and deeper. This is the spiritual sound vibration. Every time we sing it, it, it has new meaning. And it causes my heart to go closer to Krishna. So we'll sing this song, Jayarada Madhava. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Narayanam Narotamam Devim Sarasatim Vyasam Tato Jayam Udiraye We're reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam. This will be Canto 6, Chapter 15, beginning at text 1. And the circumstances are something that we might be able to relate to in that uh, when great uh, trouble comes to our life, there's a way in which we look for higher ground. Uh, before trouble comes, of course, there's always some trouble, but there's degrees. And when it gets so onerous that um, we can't stand it anymore, we try to reach out and find help. In the case of Chitraketu, 
he had a child after a long time. He had tried. It's important for a king to have a successor. It's uh, one of the main duties of a king is to leave a successor so there's no gap. And so the son, through the love primogenitor, takes up the position if he wants it. And the king couldn't have a son even though he had many wives. But then he got a benediction that uh, from a sage who could uh, arrange for a soul to be born in the womb of one of his wives. And that was done. But he warned the king that before you have this benediction, I want you to know that it may be troublesome as well. And he explained that the son would be called Harsha Shoka, which means because of your happiness and your lamentation. And the king reasoned, as do most people in the material world, that, yeah, well, that's the way it is, right? You got to take the good with the bad. And then joyfully, he went ahead and the queen gave birth to a son. There was a problem, as there usually is, and that is that the king gave more affection to that wife. The other queens also felt jealous that they, I could have had a, a son, but this one queen had a son. And they conspired. Unimaginably, but actually we find this, these types of things happen in the material world. And they poisoned the, the infant. And so when the king and the queen heard about it, the maidservants in the palace were wailing when they saw that the, the child was no longer present in the body. And the, the queen came and she became inconsolate. And then the, the king came in from outside and saw the scene and then verified it for himself and he couldn't remain conscious. So this is one of the difficulties of material life is I become so attached to all my circumstances, whatever they may be, that when they change, then I've, I feel this great pain in my heart. The great pain of death actually is the pain of losing what I thought I had. I don't have anything actually, but I attach myself to many things in this world, say this is mine, and this is my reality. It's like yesterday, and we prayed for them, uh, the uh, residents of Northern California, there was some old town there. It's been around, historic town, people. What is it, Greenville or something? Greenville? We offer our prayers to all the residents of Greenville that may, they may be safe and, and find uh, shelter. But their whole town burned down suddenly. It's been there for years and it's been their pride and joy. And now all of a sudden it's gone. And this is the basic premise of the material world. In fact, there's a saying in Bengali that describes the material experience in one sentence. I built this beautiful house for my enjoyment, and now it is burnt to the ground. The end. There's no extra after that. There's no footnote. <laughs> That's just how it is. And eventually the whole material world burns to the ground. In fact, it's burning right now. Uh, 
in all its aspects, it's always being destroyed, falling apart. And if you try to take care of a house, you'll notice it, that it's always deteriorating. A car, always deteriorating. A little rust, next thing, the whole thing is enveloped. Whole material world is in the process of being destroyed, and yet I doggedly say, no, this is my home, I'm going to stay here. It's not my home, and these are not my people, uh, only Krishna. So, and the devotees. So, Chitraketu had a, an abrupt change of consciousness because, first of all, he was informed, but he couldn't hear. And then when the great tragedy came, he became overwhelmed, and then there was what we call a teachable moment. So we should prepare ourselves for teachable moments because they don't come that often. And it's possible, actually, during the opportunity for a teachable moment that I'll ignore it and just say, I'll, I'll, I'll dull the pain some other, some other way. Uh, but Chitraketu was a great soul, and therefore he rose to the occasion, and so did his gurus. Narada and Angira came back to meet the king just at this time when he was most suffering. And they instructed him. They did so in, a, in a, a very special way. They had the power, the siddhi, to be able to bring that particular soul back into the body. And speak to the parents. So when they brought the soul back in the body and they said, why is it that you've left so in such an untimely way? And, you know, your parents are here for you. And the little jiva looked at them and said, you know, sorry, I don't recognize you. I've had a lot of parents. And I've been in a, you know, I travel throughout the whole material world from one body to the next. I'm a jiva. I'm not the body. And Chich King Chichiketu then had a, a revelation that um, gave rise to a sense of determination in his heart that I'm going to follow the path of the saints. I'm going to rise above the material world. And when we get this impetus, it's a, a great mercy, actually. It may come to us in a variety of forms by meeting a serious devotee or a combination of having a, a very um, challenging time and then meeting a serious devotee or uh, after many lifetimes of going through the same thing over and over again, there's a feeling that are, has arisen in my heart where I'm, I'm going to really try for this and I already started in my last life so it seems natural in this life, like why would I get involved? But in any case, once one has that resolution within one's heart that I'm going to go to Krishna, then this is the most fortunate situation for the jiva soul. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Narupamasye hatato palabhyate nanto nachadir nachasam prachishta ashvatamenam suvarudabulam asanga shastrena jhirena chitva So, Krishna describes the whole material world as an entangling banyan tree. We can't understand where it comes from, or we can rather. It comes from a reflection of the spiritual world. 
But while we're in it, we can't see its form. We can't see where it begins or where it ends. We can hear about it and understand that I'm in, I took a wrong turn. And so then Krishna says, you should cut off that tree with the weapon of, the strong weapon of detachment. Detachment means attachment to Krishna. Anasaktasya vishayan yatarham upayunjita nirbanda krishna sambande yuktam vairagya mujjite prapanchikatya buddhya hari sambandi vastani mumukshavi prityago vairagyam palagukatite. When one learns the art of using everything for Madan Mohan, everything's for his service, for his pleasure, then we start to enjoy uh, real sense gratification. Sarvopadi manirmuktam tapratena nirmalam hrishikena hrishikeshana sevanam. We're doing sevana to please the senses of Krishna. And therefore, my senses get purified and I also feel satisfaction. A satisfaction I've never felt in the material, ever. I've tried for it and I've tried and tried, but I can't get no satisfaction. And so the, the soul who uh, comes to this conclusion by association and then says chitva, then tatakpadam tat parimargitavyam. Parimargitavyam means now I'm free to go on parikram. Parimargitavyam, you go on the marg. Pari, you go the whole way on the marg. <laughs> the whole marg. And where does that marg? It's a pathway to meet Krishna personally in the spiritual world. So he's there in the spiritual world. And uh, that's why Prabhupada wrote the book, On the Way to Krishna. That's the spiritual path. We're on the way to Krishna. But Krishna says in the Gita, before you really get on that path and you really want to walk it, you got to cut down the material tree. So we hear about Chitraketu and how successful he is in cutting down that tree. And we can probably relate also because he had a, a traumatic experience before he, he gave his heart to the process. It was so traumatic, it's unimaginable actually, the kind of pain and suffering that he went through and his wife went through, everybody. But then he found his way by the association of devotees. Oh boy, Fog City. Om Ajnana Timirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshuran Vinatam Nina Tasmai Shri Gurave Nama Shri Shukadev Goswami said, Welkin Chitraketu, overcome by lamentation, lay like a dead body at the side of the dead body of his son. The two great sages Narda and Angira instruct him, instructed him about spiritual consciousness as follows. O king, what relationship does the dead body for which you lament have with you, and what relationship do you have with him? You may say that you are now related as father and son, but do you think this relationship existed before? Does it truly exist now? Will it continue in the future? Purport, the instructions given by Narada and Angira are the true spiritual instructions for the illusioned conditioned soul. This world is temporary, 
But because of our previous karma, we come here and accept bodies, creating temporary relationships in terms of society, friendship, love, nationality, and community, which are all finished at death. These temporary relationships did not exist in the past, nor will they exist in the future. Therefore, at the present moment, the so-called relationships are illusions. You're all young. What do you feel about these instructions? Do you think they're a little harsh? Or do you, are they going right in? What is your reflection? Gita Priya. Just sit. They'll pass it to you. Let the microphones freely flow, please, through the room. Collect them. Trade them with your friends. There's one. Don't we have several? Two. Three. Okay, tell us. How do these uh, instructions strike you as a, a young person? Um, I think the more I, um, at first, like when I first heard these instructions, I was kind of like, whoa, that's really um, deep and kind of abrupt and straight to the point. And it's kind of shaking, like, like, cause I, cause I've kind of, I think everyone grows up thinking that their relationships with like friends, family is kind of very super important. But in this verse, they're saying that they're all temporary so I kind of, at first, I was pretty shocked, but then the more I thought about it, the more I kind of like reflected and realized how true it was. Um, because in the end, like like it says in the purport, um, it will all go away at death. And um, yeah, so it, it was it was kind of shocking and abrupt at first, but then the more I thought about it, the more I understood and related. Thank you, Kitapriya. Now, Malini, as her mother, how do you feel when you're imparting such instructions to such a tender-hearted child? Not a child anymore, but I'm just, you have been imparting such instructions since she was a child. How does it make you feel as a parent? Do you ever have pause and say, well, maybe this is too much to tell a, a young kid? Externally, it may feel it is, it's too much because... Um, as a young child to to hear that this relationships that you're building from your childhood is all just going to go away at the time of death um, is shocking as she was saying but um, but most of us run away from reality thinking that oh it's not going to go away it's not going to go away but um, but I think it's nice that these kids are understanding these concepts from the very young age so that it's always there at the back of their mind. And, and when the opportunity comes, they could use this knowledge and, and make the right decision. Thank you very much, Molly. Anyone else? Yes. No, just stay where you are. The mics should flow to you. As I was reading this purport, I was really relating to the point where it mentioned that because of our previous karma, we create temporary relationships. And um, I was just thinking back to eighth grade. I had two best friends, and my two best friends became friends. <laughs> and then they started hanging out, and they had a great relationship. And um, I just felt that... In, 
as I saw their relationship become stronger, like my relationship with my two best friends were um, getting weaker. So I was just thinking about how, because of our previous karma and their karma, those relationships are bound to occur, whether I like it or not. Um, and like it says, it's gonna, all of this is going to be finished at death, but I was really thinking about almost every chapter in our life is sort of like death, where um, these relationships do end, and then you do have to move on um, and continue on with life. <laughs> so I just reflect. Did you feel pain in your heart when you realized you were losing your relationship with your best friend? Yes, yes, I did. And then at, did you process it at that time in the way you're talking now? Or is it sort of an ongoing thing that you're processing now? No, I, I, it happened a long time ago, and now everything's fine. But in the moment, it was definitely painful and not like easy to get out. I was often questioning, why is this happening? Like, why me? Um, but now I'm glad it did occur because I have a better understanding of relationships and maintaining them. Thank you very much. Good to know. Anyone else? How do these types of instructions uh, strike your ear? Um, I think definitely a lot of people like our age, my age, they don't really like to hear this kind of stuff, like at this age, because it, it's like like depressing kind of. Because, <laughs> but <laughs> like the more you think about it, I guess it's, it is true, but like people don't like to hear about it because they don't want to believe in that, but like, at the end of the day, it, it does come down to... I think how it's do nice you feel? Be, I think it's nice to be aware at this age, at least, mm. like about the subject. So later on, like, yeah. Thank you very much. Yes? Just kind of to add on to Anushri's point, um, it's really nice to know that I've like been told from a young age, not told, but I've known from a young age that eventually, like, death is going to come like it isn't like every like isn't it's like every day is like closer to death like you like you know that and when you know that it's kind of like you'll only like you'll try harder to focus on relationships that do matter and for us that relationship is with Krishna so yeah you want to say anything Um, just kind of adding on to what everyone else said. It is a very painful and like difficult thing to understand, and I still really struggle with it. But one thing nice to know or that comforts me is that relationships that you form with devotees and Krishna and Guru, they don't go under the same bodily relationships. So by maintaining them, um, they connect more to the soul and will actually last. Thank you. Thank you very much. One, two. did you have your hand up? Okay, Prabhu. That's good. Okay. Um, I'm glad she said what she just said because that hearing these instructions also. I'm the 32 year old um, married man, and <laughs> you know, um, it also. When I read this, I'm also um, disheartened. I'm like, oh, so what's the point of even making friendships in this world? <laughs> um, but my, but then at the same time, what what you you said um, is, I find it to be true. And but who someone, said? Huh? What who said? What Avantika what, just what, said? Yeah, is that her name? Avantika. Avantika yeah, yeah, what she said is that the spiritual relationships are 
based on eternality. And I was just thinking of Narutam Das Thakur. He wrote this song lamenting about all of his friends and his his um, teachers and um, people. He, like I think he, like Lord Chaitanya. And then it, the, where did they go? And he wants to smash his head against a rock. And one could be like, oh, he's just lamenting for the temporary body. But he's, it's on a different level. So... so um, it, then it makes you question. It's like, well, what's there's this instruction here, and then there's Narutam Das Thakur and Chaitanya Charitamrita. That you know, Chaitanya Charitamrita seems to be all about relationships, and then we have Narutam Das Thakur lamenting about uh, seemingly lost relationships. So that also gets me wondering. Okay, like, how do we really understand this? <clears throat> so how do we really understand it? <laughs> In a, yeah, so my understanding is that um, <laughs> I, was gonna, I was hoping you'd, 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 you'd elaborate because um, you probably do a lot better than I can, but my understanding is that um, that material relationships, this is talking about material relationships, society, friendship, love, nationality, community, and Prabhupada has spoken a lot about people that relate um, on the body, like this is, I'm from here, this is my nation, this is my community, like they just relate on that level, but on the soul level. So the idea is that relationships that relate on the soul level, which are in connection with Krishna, are desirable. Those relationships um, should be sought out, and we shouldn't think like, like one might read this and be like, well, maybe I shouldn't have any friends because if I develop a friendship with someone at the temple, then, you know, they're just going to leave me someday and I'm going <laughs> to be depressed or, you know, or I shouldn't get entangled with relationships because I'm going to be disappointed, right? But um, that's not really our philosophy. We're personalists. So um, making relationships with fellow devotees and those who are interested in Krishna consciousness is, a, is, is a desirable, is something we should really cultivate because we really not only we nourish each other and we support each other and sure sometimes it may look like like i don't like my first brahmachari leader i don't talk to him much anymore like i probably haven't talked to him in years he lives in a different country and everything now but i'm still friends with him we our heart um is in the same place we still want to serve krishna and we want to please krishna and who knows maybe even someday we'll be in the spiritual world <laughs> to get together and uh, service with each other. So, um, so yeah, that's just a little bit of, about how we could how we could balance the two, how we could see um, the difference between what this is speaking about and devotional relationships. Thank you, Rajan and Prabhu. Hare Krishna Prabhu, I was just thinking that, um, you know, as kids, um, we all learned uh, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And uh, when I, I had totally memorized it, I had performed when I was a little kid. But then as I got older, I realized, oh, wow, this is what I was talking about, the real stars in the sky. This is what it meant. When I actually memorized it, I didn't understand. I, says, I say this analogy because since, um, you know, our kids are very young, we tell them that, you know, this is a material world. There's a spiritual world. There's transcendental. You can transcend these modes of material nature. They hear this over and over. They know Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. When they're young, they don't get the whole point of, you know, death and, uh, you know, birth. They don't understand everything. 
but I just feel it's the same way how I realized all the poems that I learned as a kid, the nursery rhymes. It kind of sinks into them as the time goes by, the constant um, giving them just the input. And then as it goes, they just mature so much, they realize that, oh, wow, this is what it meant. When, when life strikes <laughs> and gives you bowls, and at that time you'll think, oh, wow, what am I, you know, lamenting for? You know, then you, you, have, the, you have the knowledge already, you know, since you're a child. But then when uh, uh, life puts you into different situations, you actually use the knowledge at that time and get more realized. So I absolutely think that it's so important for children to be exposed to it. Thank you. And I didn't know there were other parts to the twinkle, twinkle little star. <laughs> philosophical. I'm going to have to look back into that. Bali Prabhu? Yes, uh, Prabhu. I, I think I was just uh, remembering one realization from Prabhupada conversation. In the like, Second World War, when German, they used to send their you know, sons for the war and then they go to the church or whatever they, pr they pray but their sons did not return from the war. So they lost faith in God. Oh, why he did not return from the war? He died. So Prabhupada was saying that it is not that he didn't ask permission from God. And he was giving an example of how Draupadi was devastated when her five sons are killed in the war by Asuthama in the night. You know, Definitely there will be lamentation, moroseness. But at the end, she did not lose faith in Krishna. Neither she, you know, Cursed Krishna that oh because you did something like that but there is a ground reality sthita pragya but at the same time the pain of the mother is still revealed and expressed that way so we should follow in the same path. What's the same path? Means not to be atheist. I mean when there is a problem comes people right. something become they you know antagonist and they become against of God's will but all situations we should be faithful. And how does one do that? How does one face uh, catastrophic uh, events in one's life and not lose faith in God and actually rise to the level of appreciating that uh, this is an opportunity and uh, rise above it? Hare Krishna. Yes, Dandavat. Hare Krishna. Dandavat Pranam Maharaj. May I? Is, this is it Vaikunt okay? Vaikuntha Nayaka Prabhu? Yes, Maharaj. Yes. From Mysore? Yes, Maharaj. Hare yes. Krishna, please go ahead. Yeah, I was actually uh, uh, talk, uh, I was also actually thinking that uh, uh, this knowledge uh, can help us make even our material relationships very sweet. Um, I was uh, actually it's, uh, to give an analogy, right? Like in my corporate office, there's a huge garden. And the chief gardener takes care of all the plants. But there is one particular tree that he gives special importance to. So I asked him, what is special about that tree? And he said that that tree had come to our company, our organization. It had been brought in by the prime minister. He had planted that sapling. And um, since it had been given to him by the prime minister, he actually went the extra mile to take care of the uh, plants, uh, that particular tree, whereas the other plants, he thought, okay, that is mine. I can actually nourish it or I can actually not nourish it. It's totally my call. So I was thinking in similar lines, if we think that, okay, 
my wife my child it is uh, my choice i could actually abuse them or i could actually take care of them i think that it is they are my property but if uh, if we feel that okay they this child has been given to me by krishna for me to temporarily take care of then just like that gardener who had a special affection for the tree given by the prime minister i think we will give the extra attention to that child right just my two thoughts i don't know if it fits in but yeah thank you maraj that's very beautiful and you're getting a lot of love there it looks like from the devotees appreciating it <laughs> we heard some uh, exotic bird in the background is that a mysore type of bird sorry maraj it was my little one so oh. sorry <laughs> you have your little birds there okay Yes. Okay. Maharaj, I don't think it's an instantaneous uh, event that you suddenly realize it and absorb it. It's uh, a process of 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 uh, constantly like waves and waves of realization that keep hitting you. Uh, like a mother who's raising their child learns over time to hold on and then to let go and still stay attached for the sake of service to make sure that the child is always following the path. and not to hold on to them like we held on to them when they were one or two years old it's no longer protective more as guidance and in that way when we lose our our family our dear near and dear we have to go through the stages of grief but as we progress through the stages of grief there are moments of realization where we understand the process like my father lost his mother and i watched him go through the grief and i know that when my turn comes i will go through that grief but i can see the 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 waves the, the the birth and death that's happening again and again and it's comforting to know that somebody knows better than me and somebody out there has has more sense than me and and is looking out for me thank it's you that's a very that comforting thought very helpful go ahead um last week in your class um somebody asked this question and you answered which actually went um it stuck to me so much um you asked about how do we rise to the occasion um especially when we are facing a difficulty you mentioned that how we should have spiritual mentors um and um i was thinking about it all week long that um that uh, at the moment where i am in difficulty i may not may not be able to see things as they are but um the mentors spiritual mentors um if you follow their instructions because they think the best for you um and try to try to follow their advice then that will help us to get out of the situation thank you molly for remembering that and uh, shrivata i just comment before you say that there's a Gaudiya Vaishnavism is a a culture of guidance. If you notice all the the great Mahajans they all had a support system. They would take shelter of one another and they would have their mentors. And also we can assume and part of the reason we're reading Bhagavatam and we hear these sections of Bhagavatam like Chitraketu that such things will happen to us because that's what's happens here what's happening here in this plane of 
of the universe in Martyloka. And if we're preemptive about it, like preparing ourselves always, building our support system, and also, as Manjula Kanta brought up, uh, reviewing what is the process for, pro uh, for dealing with this when it comes, and any incident in my life, how should I process it, even small incidents, then we're in that space where we're prepared to deal with all kinds of circumstances, whether big or small. And that's one of the main points that Krishna makes in, in the Bhagavad Gita, is dhiras tatra namuyate, you have to become tolerant. And so we have to learn tolerance, and the way to do it is by guidance and also hearing good instruction regularly. Uh, if we step outside of that, and then we have to come back in at that time, we're not used to it, and it may take longer. And it may be a harder situation, like if, if you're not healthy, for instance, physically, and then you fall, and you, you, know, you hurt yourself, it takes a lot longer to come back to, to health. If you're, if you're staying fit and then something happens, then you can snap back. And spiritually also, if, if we assume, <laughs> hope for the best, assume the worst, uh, that, uh, and I keep myself always in a ready state without being a fanatic and still being able to relate to everyone uh, in a loving, normal way, but I still have this, these, this, um, clear guidance from Bhagavatam and from my mentors and I, I'm staying in a prepared mind, then I can take advantage of those situations as teachable moments and also the, the processing may be um, not as arduous and it may not be as long as we'll hear from Chitra Ketu. Please, Srivats. I was... I was thinking about the um, the question that was brought up after Bali Marthan Prabhu's reflection um, about how does how does one go through certain circumstances without losing faith in Krishna, and I found that understanding Siddhanta completely in this situation is uh, vital, and because if one is able to consolidate logically in their head about like okay, this is what's happening right now and understand from scripture and from the previous acharyas that there's a proper explanation to all of this there won't ever be a situation where one will ask the question of krishna why did you do this oh krishna what's wrong with you i became your devotee and now you're doing all of this to me and such questions will never come up when one understands about how how the lord acts and what what the lord is um what the lord is like in general, like his attitude towards certain things in the material world. And I was thinking about that because oftentimes, a lot of the time, people will say like Krishna has a plan. But sometimes it, I feel like oftentimes uh, if someone doesn't have as much experience in Krishna consciousness, they might look at that and think, why does Krishna's plan have something to do with giving me such great suffering? Why is Krishna, does Krishna get some weird like twisted joy out of this or something? And... It's um, it's it's a genuine question people get. And I was thinking that um, this is when, like, I mean, as you said, Bhagavatam classes and all of this comes in so handy. And one is able to just, like, in such situations, immediately, like, the remembrance of such siddhanta and verses just come into one's mind and one is able to be like, oh, okay, this is what's happening to me right now. And immediately the pain is 
greatly, greatly reduced. Thank you very much. I'm going to read a couple more verses, Pavani Bhakti, and then I'll read a couple more verses, and then Majula Kanta. Thank you, Maharaj. I, I was reflecting on this, uh, that relationships are uh, illusions. And I was re remembering the recent episode where Anshu and Balram went to Denver. And both the parents kept texting them every day, Haribol, how are you doing? Let us know how things are going. And every day, Haribol, Haribol, from our side, no response from their side. <laughs> and as parents, we kept saying, oh, take care that you go on the flight properly. You're standing on the... We kept giving instructions, no response. <laughs> and that time, we both were thinking, are we parents or we are not? Like, <laughs> who are we? And uh, I, I really, like, was not, like, actually affected by this situation because, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, like, yeah, he's our son, but, you know, eventually everything is going to go away. We... We have ourselves left our parents. Uh, uh, so at the same time, I was thinking that, you know, um, at least we are in this consciousness and this will not, This it really didn't matter. Uh, uh, but it does matter when the kids, like, you know, they have their birthday and they said, oh, parents, we don't need parents. I'm like, okay, uh, we did your birthdays all these years. But these are like, you know, like the slap on your face sometimes. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, what's going on? But at the same time, you know, we did the same thing for Krishna. He, he's like, we are still, we'll be always there for our children. And that the same way Krishna will always be there for us. And that's the, that's the bottom line. Like how we feel so bad for our kids if they go wrong or if they don't come back. The same way Krishna is feeling so bad that, you know, we left him. So I, I like that whole philosophy of it helps us in the life. Yeah. Thank you, Mara. Yeah, that's very practical. And that's why... It's nice kids go off to the ashram for a while. Because, you know, you get realization in that way. Manjula Kanta, go ahead and then I'll read. Gurmaj, I also wanted to add that um, we look at devotees and think they have blissful lives. They do. They truly have blissful lives. I don't think um, I would exchange this for anything else. Because uh, the, the kind of association I live in, it's kind of a little, a little um, bubble of swarga. But at the same time, when we, um, when we associate with devotees and personally connect with them, we realize everybody has their own problems. Somebody's child is sick, somebody's financial issues, somebody crashed their car, someone else's kid is... You know, there's so much going on in their lives. Um, watching devotees and seeing how they are able to rise to the occasion, visual, they, they're like living proof of the fact that we can work in this world and still be able to detach from it and keep functioning at, at a higher level. I think that association from devotees is so important. Like you said, guidance, but also just watching them live their lives is such... Right. That's why it's important to be in a, com a community of devotees. And Bali Mardan Prabhu brought up that verse, astita dir muni uchite. Astita di muni is somebody who's actually assimilated the instructions of Bhagavad Gita, is able to live in the world without being tipped over at every incident that seems to go against his, his or her plan. Let's hear a few more verses straight from the Bhagavatam. Everyone okay? Oh, go ahead. I can wait for you to go. What? You can read. I can see. After you. Okay. Um, so just continuing what like, Sakesh Premathaji was mentioning about like her twinkle twinkle little star story but um 
in relation to like the things that we hear as children that um, everything's temporary, the material world's bad, spiritual world's good. And when you're younger, I feel like you just immediately agree to it. But then as you grow older, you actually have to digest and internalize what you're learning. And um, that process is pretty difficult. And especially like what we're speaking about today, about all relationships being temporary. That was one of my greatest um, the word like blockages or obstacles in Krishna consciousness because I couldn't wrap my head around it. So um, I did a lot of searching for uh, something that would keep me satisfied. And I, I was listening to this class about um, uh, Queen Kunti and how she begged Krishna just like remove all fa familial attachments. And I was like, yeah, if like everything's temporary, I'd rather just be alone and like curl up in a ball and not speak to anyone. But um, what um, I think it was Achita Gopi who was speaking and she said that um, the reason Krishna didn't take away those familial attachments was because all like all five Pandavas anthropity, they were all devotees. So by keeping your um, relationships and the people surrounding you being devotees, then you remain connect eternally connected. And she said that Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj even said that the people you serve with here are the same people you'll serve with in the spiritual world. So I was very comforted by that. Nice. Thank you very much for sharing your thought process. Okay. Yeah. Never hold back. You don't have to hold back. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Uh, I just wanted to add uh, two points. Uh, one, um, you know, when we have a fear of losing, um, you know, there's a regret in your mind. Oh, you know, I wish I could have done these things for this person, you know. So, you know, one philosophy which I try to you know, do is that uh, make the best use of what we have the time today. Because later on, regret, you cannot do anything. So, you know, because, and then just to, you know, supplement my this uh, theory, I saw when uh, I went to the hospital for Little Gori once, and uh, I met Nirukula Mataji there. And I was just moved actually seeing her there nonstop for like, you know, every day. And I was even thinking about whether she's cooking for you or not. Um, I mean, in my personal way, sorry about that. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but I think uh, when, I, when I asked her, you Mataji, you know, the, this is hard and we were all worried, you know, in sad mood. And I was moved by, you know, what relationship we have. You know, I said, you know, but little Gauri has a relationship with Nirukula Mataji. And then I asked Mataji, you know, this is so inspiring to see you here. While looking that you are now driving, you came and you're going to the hospital. While I'm just watching you, I just feel so inspired. And she answered in one line. She said, this is what Prabhupada did for us. I was, you know, after that, my, my mind completely, I was emotional, you know, but it gives me strength. Hey, you know what? We have to do the best in that moment what we can do. Then all the strength you can drive uh, by following the, in the footsteps of uh, the exalted devotees. Now that one you give it a that, That's very practical. I think by discussing we're getting a good synthesis because, you know, it's not curl up in a ball and it's also not just like embrace the material world and say, you know, that the 
ideas in the Bhagavatam are, you know, objectionable because they're too harsh and so forth. But there's a way in which, while we understand we're in temporary relationships, that we should uh, do the best we can to express our love and appreciation for the devotees and what to speak of other people. I mean, sometimes we say, okay, just devotees, other people uh, too in our environment, they may um, have a semblance. Uh, you never know what's going to happen with them uh, as far as their future goes and their devotional service. Of course, Bhagavatam says avoid people who are against Krishna and to put up a fight. But he's, but Bhagavatam says even if, if you do avoid them so they don't become more offensive, you should pray for them. So there's not this sense of complete isolation that we only love devotees. No, we should love everyone. That's why we do Sankirtan. And we try to make relationships with all living beings. They're just on different levels. And uh, I liked your point, Radha Kripa Prabhu, about remember that what, what we have here or any relationship with, with other living entities is very special. So express it while you can. Try to <laughs> take advantage now of uh, giving them your heart and Krishna consciousness. And also, if you have something to say to people, uh, say it while you can, because you never know when you're going to lose the opportunity. So um, now I'm going to read a couple more verses. This is number three. O king, as small particles of sand sometimes come together and are sometimes separated due to the forces of the waves, the living entities who have accepted material bodies sometimes come together and are sometimes separated by the force of time. Purport. The misunderstanding of the conditioned soul is the bodily conception of life. The body is material, but within the body is the soul. This is spiritual understanding. Unfortunately, one who is in ignorance, under the spell of material illusion, accepts the body to be the self. He cannot understand that the body is matter. Like small particles of sand, bodies come together and are separated by the force of time, and people falsely lament for unification and separation. Unless one knows this, there is no question of happiness. Therefore, in Bhagavad Gita 2.13, this is the first instruction given by the Lord. Dehino sminyata dehe komaranyo vanam jara tata dehantara praptir dhiras tatranam as the embodied soul continually passes in this body from boyhood to youth to old age, the soul similarly passes into another body at death. The self-realized soul is not bewildered by such a change. We are not the body. We are spiritual beings trapped in the body. Our real interest lies in understanding the simple fact. Then we can make further spiritual progress. Otherwise, if we remain in the bodily conception of life, our miserable material existence will continue forever. Political adjustments, social welfare work, medical assistance, and the other programs we have manufactured for peace and happiness will never endure. 
we shall have to undergo the sufferings of material life one after another. Therefore, material life is said to be Dukkha Layam Ashashvatam. It is a reservoir of miserable conditions. When seeds are sown in the ground, they sometimes grow into plants and sometimes do not. Sometimes the ground is fertile and the sowing of seeds is unproductive. Similarly, sometimes a prospective father being impelled by the potency of the Supreme Lord can beget a child, but sometimes conception does not take place. Therefore, one should not lament over the artificial relationship of parenthood, which is ultimately controlled by the Supreme Lord. Purport. Maharaj Chitraketu was actually not destined to get a son. Therefore, although he married hundreds and thousands of wives, all of them proved barren, and he could not beget even one child. When Angira Rishi came to see the king, the king requested the great sage to enable him to have at least one son. Because of the blessing of Angira Rishi, a child was sent by the grace of Maya. Ooh, by the grace of Maya. Just remind me, I wrote something in my notebook the other day. It says, uh, the favor of Maya is not a benediction. And there's a way that um, <laughs> it relates to our earlier conversation because someone, as I think Srivasa said, there's a way in which I, I say, like, unless I'm favored in this this mental construct I've created for myself here in this material world, unless it, it harmonizes with that, then I take it as I'm being tortured or somebody's being vindictive against me. And when I get some favor in the material world, then I think, oh, this is, now you're talking. <laughs> you're talking my language now. <laughs> but actually, uh, the favor of my... Uh, as describes in the section of Prahlad Maharaj and Nishringadev fighting with Hiranyakashipu, which is a so extreme case. But it, it, because of that, it assumes all other circumstances that we can observe in this world. Prahlad said to his father, or said to Lord Nishringadev, why would I want anything in this world? I already saw my father get all these so-called benedictions. And he couldn't handle them. If anybody could have handled it, it should have been him. But he couldn't handle it. And then, even when he was fighting with Nishringadev, he got loose, did Hiranyakashipu. And everyone's like, oh no, maybe his path was the right way. But it, it was only a little playful gesture by Nishringadev, like a cat, lets a mouse go for a few minutes and then, gotcha again. And Prabhupada explains there that these benedictions of the material nature are not benedictions at all. They're a fool's paradise. And so that's a stita dir muni, as mentioned by Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. Here she sees that there, there's no uh, benediction here in the material world. Shuba ashuba. Whether it's auspicious, so-called auspicious or inauspicious, the material world, it's all bad. Because this is temporary material world. What do you think of all this? What? Yeah, she said as well, so give her the mic. <laughs> 
Welcome to the class, by the way. Um, no, I think it's very well said and very true that uh, 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 that that uh, this this world that we do live in is is very temporary and and uh, um, and when I look at life and I just look at uh, what I've experienced in life, I've I've come to realize that over time, that it is it is absolutely true that. Um, a lot of this is very temporary, and it can fade within seconds. It mm. can, you know, it's it, you, we tend to hold on to these things, um, but they're all really attachments, and uh, there will come a point when they'll actually fade. Youth will fade. Money comes and goes. Mm. Your professional success and power. It's this. Uh, it's all very temporary, and ultimately, uh, there is a deeper meaning to life than. Uh, than um, being attached to all of this material world. Thank you. We needed that. Hare Krishna Prabhu. I was just thinking about uh, Chitra Kedu Maharaj. He had so many difficulties. <laughs> you know, he, did, he had the child, and the child passed away, and then, of course, uh, and then he um, becomes the Gandharva, and he gets cursed by Parvati, and then he becomes Vritarasura. Uh, I was just thinking that even though all these things all became, was was a negative, negative, negative in, in, in real sense, material sense, he achieved the highest. Even when he was fighting with Indra, he lost the war. So I was just trying to think that, I mean, of course, I'll never pray for difficulties, but uh, when when we are having a difficulty, uh, most people will think that, uh, you know, the material concept, they'll think that, oh my gosh, you know, why is Krishna doing this and all. But in true sense, when you look into it, it's, it's actually giving you a op wide, wide opportunity to, you know, really advance ahead and just go back home, back toward it. I was just reflecting on that. Yeah, that's a, the classic uh, prayer by Queen Kunti, where she mentions that Vipara Santata Sashvat Tatra Jagat Guru Bhavato Darshanam Yatsyad Apunar Bhava Darshanam. She actually prays like, let these difficulties come again and again. It's not like she's praying for them actually. But she's saying basically, let it come. You know, it's happening anyway. It's not that they're going to stop if I say, please, no more. And it's like, okay. That's not how it works. So she said, let them happen. This is the way it is. But each time they do, let me take full shelter of you, Krishna. Let me use these as a, a way to remember you and take shelter of you. And I like what you said about the Lakshmi, his chanchal, comes and goes, spend time amassing wealth, and then somehow or other, uh, you know, your 52nd cousin needs a, a brain transplant, and, you know, you've got to pay for it the first experimental transplant of the brain. And then, you know, whatever happens, it comes and goes, but in the Shastra, the Stita Dirmuni is somebody who understands that we're, um, on the material side, we get what we get. You don't have to be overheated about it. In fact, you shouldn't be. Just be methodical but dispassionate and doing your duty in the material world and save the balance of your time for spiritual enlightenment. Somebody, yes, Krishna. Give back to Krishna the mic. Everyone okay? Okay. Hi, Krishna, dear Shila Gurudev. Please accept my first obeisance. Um, when I 
heard the grace of maya um i remembered he used to say it um by grace of maya bones uh, comes dukhi you know <laughs> so yeah Yeah, that's from the verse. Yehi sam sprashaja poka dukayona yevate adyantavantakonte anate shuramate Buddha. So a Buddha, an intelligent person, someone who's practiced DSI, deliberate spiritual intelligence, has come to the point of understanding that whatever kind of interaction I have with the material world, um, the kind of, what is it called, a chladini samskar. Chladini means the happiness that I get in the material world. Those are very dangerous, actually, because once the samskar goes in my mind, like I have an experience here in the material world, I try it, and I, like, ooh, that was very nice. The, even though the subsequent times aren't as nice, they never are in the material world. Like, how come I can't enjoy this? Still, the samskar of pleasure is there in the mind, so I keep trying over and over again, even when it's uh, beaten to death. And it's no longer, that's horrible, the, no longer available. So, dukkha yonai evate, somebody considers that this kind of happiness in the material world, the yoni, it's the womb of little dookie. And he comes out, here I am. And it's like, dookie, please, no, don't come. And like, no, no, I'm here now. And it's like, where'd you come from? Well, it was your engagement with the material energy. You invested in it, you put your glance there, you went into it, and now the little dookie's here. And you live with the little dookie. And that's what you get. So Krishna says, a wise person, Buddha is like, no more dookie. I'm, I'm fine over here. I'll just keep calm and do my japa. Okay, go ahead, Prabhu. Is it you? Oh, okay. So I interrupted Prabhupada. And I'm going to read the Stita Dear Muni and then come back to the point about Maya. But this is a very important verse. I think we'll benefit from hearing from 256 in the Gita, where Krishna says, Dukeshwanu Vignamanaha, Sukeshu Vigatasbraha. You know the sages, anyway. Vitaraga Bhayakroda Stita Dear Muni Uchite, one who is not disturbed in mind even amidst the threefold miseries or elated when there is happiness, and it was free from attachment, fear, and anger. Free from what? Fear. Is called a sage of steady mind, a stita di muni. Here's the masterful, as all of them are, purport by Srila Prabhupada. The word muni means one who can agitate his mind in various ways for mental speculation without coming to a factual conclusion. It is said that every muni has a different angle of vision, and unless a muni differs from other munis, he cannot be called a muni in the strict sense of the term. But a stitadir muni, as mentioned herein by the Lord, is different from an ordinary muni. The stitadir muni is always in Krishna consciousness. For he has exhausted all his business of creative speculation. Nomas. Uwarimashta. He is called Prashanta Nisheshamanoratantam from the Stotra Ratna, number 43. Do you have that one somewhere? The verse? Govinda from the Stotra Ratna? 
Maybe we can find that one. It's not in the pink book, I, I don't think, but you can try. Or one who has surpassed the stage of mental speculations and has come to the conclusion that Lord Sri Krishna or Vasudeva is everything. Vasudeva Sarvamitti Samahatma Sudulaba. He is called a Muni fixed in mind. Such a fully Krishna conscious person is not at all disturbed by the onslaughts of the threefold miseries. For he accepts all miseries as the mercy of the Lord, thinking himself only worthy of more trouble due to his past misdeeds, and he sees that his miseries by the grace of the Lord are minimized to the lowest. Similarly, when he is happy, he gives credit to the Lord, thinking himself unworthy of the happiness. He realizes that it is due only to the Lord's grace that he is in such a comfortable condition and able to render better service to the Lord. And for the service of the Lord, he is always daring and active and is not influenced by attachment or aversion. Attachment means accepting things for one's own sense gratification, and detachment is the absence of such sensual attachment. But one fixed in Krishna consciousness has neither attachment nor detachment because his life is dedicated to the service of the Lord. Consequently, he is not at all angry even when his attempts are unsuccessful. Success or no success, a Krishna conscious person is always steady in his determination. And now I'm going to finish the purport that I interrupted it. This is from Political Adjustments, Social Welfare Work, Medical Assistance, and other programs we have manufactured for peace and happiness will never endure. We shall have to undergo sufferings. I said that one. And then that I read for? Where was it that we stopped? Where's that? I'll read from the screen. There it is. Because of the blessing of Angira Rishi, a child was sent by the grace of Maya. But that child was not to live for long. Therefore, in the beginning, Angira Rishi told the king that he would beget a child who would cause jubilation and lamentation. King Chichiketu was not destined to get a child by providence or the will of the Supreme. Just as sterile grains cannot produce more grain, a sterile person by the will of the Supreme Lord cannot beget a child. Sometimes a child is born even to an impotent father and sterile mother, and sometimes a potent father and fertile mother are childless. Indeed, sometimes a child is born despite contraceptive methods, and therefore the parents kill the child in the womb. In the present age, killing children in the womb has become a common practice. Why? When contraceptive methods are taken, why don't they act? Why is a child sometimes produced so that the father and mother have to kill, kill it in the womb? We must conclude that our arrangement of so-called scientific knowledge cannot determine what will take place. What is enacted actually depends on the will of the supreme, on the supreme will. It is by the supreme will that we are situated in certain conditions in terms of family, community, and personality. These are all arrangements of the Supreme Lord according to our desires under the spell of maya, illusion. In devotional life, therefore, one should not desire anything 
since everything depends on the Supreme Personality of Godhead. As stated in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu 1111, Anyabilashita shunyam yana karman yanavritam anukuliena krishnanu shilanam bhaktirutama. One should refrain, excuse me, one should render devotion. One should, English please, one should render transcendental loving service to the Supreme Lord Krishna favorably and without desire for material profit or gain through fruitive activities or philosophical speculation. That is called pure devotional service. One should act only to develop Krishna consciousness. For everything else, one should fully depend upon the Supreme Person. We should not create plans that will ultimately make us frustrated. Om Tat Sat. So the story goes on to describe, and we're not going to go into it now, so that, except for a sum, summary, that Jitraketu, then having been in this situation, received good instruction, reacted to it by taking full shelter of his guru, his gurus, Angira and Narada. He took uh, initiation, a mantra, and he was so intent on... Uh, contacting Krishna, that he chanted the mantra with great sincerity and was able within a week to attain uh, perfection. And, and he became the great uh, sage, uh, Chitraketu, later became Vritrasura, and then went back to Godhead. So there's a lot more to say about Chitraketu, and we'll hear in some subsequent classes about him. But before we go, we'll have a little bhajan and then um, this morning I have to drive up to Sacramento because uh, we have a flourishing community up there. And um, I'm going to stay overnight in Sacramento and then come back for the Sunday program because I can't miss it. It's just too nice. And uh, thank you for coming this morning and for joining online Let's let's sing a little bit. And if you need to stand up and stretch, you can do it. Anybody needs to. Yeah, I already did it. Or you did. I don't know how the sages at Nymasarnya did it. They were there for a thousand years. But I do know one thing is when of course physically, I mean one of the reasons to stay in his best to stay fit is so that, I mean, the reason people perform hatha yoga in the first place, and from the Yoga Sutras, Patanjali barely mentions it. But the re, in the context, he said it's so that you can sit and meditate. And one of the reasons to keep oneself fit is to um, be able to stay and listen. But it, it actually is an acquired taste. Oftentimes, you know, if you get used to sitting and hearing for 10 minutes, that's what you're used to. So after, at, a, at the 11-minute point, you start going like, what do we do now? But it's, it's good to practice listening and having a spiritual conversation for long periods of time, don't you think? Okay, thank you very much. Vancha kalpadrubhisha kripa sindhabevicha patitanam bhavanibhyo vaishnavibhyo namo namaha gopremanande haribo. Thank you.